0: I got, I don't know, I got a lot of notes and stuff. I was I was listening to some podcasts. I've, I've been doing my research. I'm getting in on the, the tiptoe lore. Disgusting.
1: Yeah, I feel like the behind the scenes stuff would honestly be more interesting than the actual film.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to uh, examine here, honestly. So it would be fun to get into it, at the very least. let's let's just go ahead and get into it and and take our punishment uh welcome back to cody and corbin have a podcast the show where two former roommates talk about the story of a peculiar love triangle involving two brothers carol and steven's life together was perfect i've gotta get going right this second hey baby hey sweetie
1: i love you there's one small problem
0: hi uh, i'm Ralph. i'm his brother
1: we're twins
0: are your parents um yeah it can tear them apart i think you're gonna let me know that
1: everyone in your family's a midget
0: they're not midgets carol dwarfs whatever or bring them together
1: hey welcome i'm steven
0: oh hi. there you are this is steven's father bruno and his mom kathleen and over behind the bar is steven's brother ralph Hi. Right. You could have prepared us for this, don't you think? If you embarrass me, I'll never speak to you again, so just get it together. Okay? I think maybe I'm pregnant.
1: When the going gets rough, it's only the size of your heart that counts.
0: Did it not really be that big of a deal if our kid was a dwarf. You knocked up this great girl, and you didn't tell her that her baby's probably gonna be little. I'm not like you. We are so cute and cuddly. Don't discriminate against us. Except these parties got a little wild. I never expected this. There's sure a lot of midgets around here. You better back off, Goldie Hawn. My man can do what he wants to do. I'm ready for an adult relationship. What is this man doing in your bedroom? A walk down the aisle.
1: Ah, uh, Steven's a—he's
0: uh, a very lucky guy. I just hope he's smart enough not to screw it up. Is just a beginning.
1: There'll be rough patches. There's no doubt about it. The Now and Langley Productions proudly present command performances from Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, and in the role of a lifetime,
0: Gary Oldman. Tiptoes. 2002's Tiptoes. I just took that straight from IMDb because I thought it was a wonderful summary of what this movie is. Uh, I'm Corbin Zvogel, the host of the show, and of course, joining me is my co-host, Cody Webb, Cody, do you, do you think that's an accurate representation, a peculiar love triangle involving two brothers?
1: Yeah, I would definitely call it peculiar. Um, I think that's the key word maybe in there.
0: But
1: yeah, uh, this movie is a lot of words, and we're going to go over a lot, um, probably a lot of negatives, I would think. But uh should be a fun episode altogether, so I'm pretty excited.
0: We'll get straight into why. Why me. Why did you pick me? The reason yeah. we're talking about this movie, it's a, it's a movie that neither you or I would have probably ever chosen to have a discussion about. But sadly, season five, episode 11, we did our second annual trivia competition with our compadres over at the Rough Cut Retrospective. And sadly, we lost. So as a punishment <laughs> for the second year in a row, they got to choose the subject matter of an episode we talked about. Last year, they chose Stalker. This year, they get, went a little harder on us and gave us tiptoes. How do you feel about that, them giving us that movie, Cody?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely good punishment, so it's understandable. Um, I don't know. I feel like Stalker, like you said, that's more just like a homework assignment in a sense.
0: I feel like this is like, you know, you have to like. This is like up there it. with like the fantasy football punishments of, you know, go spend 12 hours at a Waffle yeah. House watch tiptoes and do a podcast about it is is just as bad in my opinion this is the definition of a punishment i think so
1: good on them uh we're due i think for a trivia one uh might have to but, uh, you know,
0: pull a few strings here and there to, to try and make sure that happens. Three but... and a half points. That's what separated us at the end of the uh, the competition. That's the difference between doing tiptoes and not doing tiptoes. <laughs> so,
1: it was a fairly close margin, not as close as we would want, but uh, we're coming from this year. So we'll study up and, and make sure. I mean, we can give some pretty bad, uh, I think, you know, repunishments back to them, you know, in Excellent line. Thing. If they so. lose, they're they're gonna be in for it. That's they're for sure. So. Oh, we're coming for them now. Yeah, last year with Stalker, maybe that wasn't like enough motivation for us to, to care about winning,
0: but I think maybe this will motivate us to, to do a lot better this year. Yeah. I think I think that's definitely true. Let's move on to Do you remember? Do you remember? This one's pretty easy for both of us because we literally did just watch it. You yeah. you checked this out on Tubi, Cody? Was that your method of distribution?
1: I did, yeah. It was free on Tubi. So hallelujah to Tubi. Shout out to Tubi. Yeah. I think we've I've caught a couple movies in the past, more like smaller projects, it seems are on there. This is a um, movie that seems like it would be on Tubi,
0: to be entirely honest yeah. with you.
1: This seems like one they would like advertise as as you know, one of their main ones, I feel like, just because it has like, you know, people you know in a it's stars. It's very uh yeah. you, you sell it based on the people that are in it. You see McConaughey and Tubi's like, throw him on the front page. It's like, (laughs) he'll sell. So yeah, shout out Tubi. But like you said, obviously, I mean, this is the first time that uh, we had both uh, seen this film. I don't ever plan on watching it again. And I don't think anybody in their lives had ever planned to watch it originally. So shout out to anybody who has actually seen this movie. But uh, I would highly doubt any of our viewers have, one, heard of this movie or two, have, have ever seen it. So shout out if you have. Let us know if you have.
0: I think that's a really fair point. Um, if you don't know what this is, we'll get into the, uh, I'll have Cody give us a little plot overview at the start of initial thoughts. But I agree with you in saying, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this movie again. However, I think it. I wanted to watch them. Like it's one of those ones where it's like, I'll watch any movie once, you know, I'll check out a bad flick. And I, I wanted to see what it was about. So at the very least, this gave me a reason to spend 90 minutes. Um, I will never waste another 90 minutes of my life you know, checking it out again but uh, for me it was a prime watch also which i thought Ooh, was interesting. nice did you have to rent it or was it ah, on there free on prime as well so oh, um, it, okay. the people can see this film <laughs> um this movie was never released in theaters it was direct video um and the story behind that that i kind of just want to share is a as an intro to this is movie premieres at sundance and it's a cut that the director was not happy with that was not involved with he was fired at, during the post-production of this film. This movie premieres at Sundance. Eh, people don't really love it that much. Their director buys a ticket, shows up at Sundance, comes up on stage and basically trashes the film, says it's oh, wow. terrible, says he, you know, this isn't the movie that he, you know, dreamed of putting together. It was recut. It was taken away from him. No distributors wanted to buy it because of that fact. So then it was released direct to video, never played in any theaters. Um, and the uh, director, Matthew Bright, never worked in the uh, film industry again. <laughs>
1: Jeez. Shout out, Mr. Bright. At least he was passionate about, uh, you know, making sure this project was in the right hands, but that's a good way to kill a film, I would think, at a, at a film festival. Just, so shout out to him. But that is crazy. Um, like I said, I feel like just like watching the movie, I expect there to be craziness, like in the post-production and
0: behind the scenes stuff. So that doesn't shock me, but that is really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot more to share about Matthew Bright and kind of the uh, intricacies of how this movie came to be and what happened afterwards um, and what he's been up to in the past 20 years. Um, I listened to a little interview he did like a year ago. So uh, I've got some some Matthew Bright knowledge to drop on the people. But (laughs) let's go ahead and just get into the movie as a whole. Good morning, Vietnam! Initial thoughts, Cody. What is Tiptoes? Tell us. (laughs) Yeah you know it's
1: a good question and um maybe stumbling around here but for the most part it is just like this dramedy in a sense a bit of a rom-com but as well it's it's bit of a like a society piece i feel like in a sense so the main plot is obviously matthew mcconaughey is kind of the star here and he's dating uh kate beckinsale right Uh, yeah patricia Arquette's the other one yeah so kate beckinsale and him and she's pregnant they've been dating for a while whatever But then it turns out that Matthew McConaughey is actually the only person who is not a little person in his entire family, basically. Mom, dad, twin brother, literally. And his twin brother is Gary Oldman, of course, who uh, is not a little person, I don't believe. Right, Corbin?
0: Let me Actually, you know what? Let me check. (laughs) No, he he is in fact not. He is a a regular full-size person who spent the entire movie on his... Knees, yeah, um, which I'm sure we'll get into, but
1: past that, plot wise, it's mostly just like you know, Kate Beckinsale is like, you know, why didn't you tell me about this? You know, we're probably gonna have uh, you know, a child who is also a little person, which spoiler alert is true. Um, so it's pretty messed up, he didn't tell her. Then, past that, I mean, it changes tones about 10 times, but in the end, it's kind of like a love triangle between Kate Beckinsale, Gary Oldman, which is the surprise, you know, addition to the triangle because he is matthew mcconaughey's brother um but that's the gist of it really this movie's not too deep i don't think but it does take a couple twists and turns here
0: yeah you pointed out the tonal shifts i think it's all over the place and a lot of that is because of post-production issues but it is trying to like simultaneously do a ton of stuff in 90 minutes but then also like do nothing in the 90 minute span the way we begin the movie and where we end up in the final shot of Kate Beckinsale essentially like living in a cabin in the woods with Gary Oldman and Patricia Arquette and Peter Dinklage raising so their baby on their own from the beginning when she's just like this weird painter who's in love with a douchey Matthew McConaughey. It is quite the transition. I think literally over a year passes in the span of maybe like two. It's it's a it's like two years take place in this film. Um when you take from the time the beginning to their wedding, to their child being 10 months old, and then however much longer beyond that. So it's really all over the place. I think we can say right off the top, obviously, the Gary Oldman stuff is offensive. It's neither of us are little people, so we can't like really even speak to what it yeah. truly means or the effect that that's had on people. Um, and then the way that little people have been, you know mistreated in film, you can go back all the way to like The Wizard of Oz and the Munchkins and that. And like there's a history of uh, systematic, uh discrimination towards little people in the world of film and the way that they've been used i think this movie in some ways is the most is like more progressive than any movie that has come before it but then also is like so much worse than any movie that's come before it so there's a ton there we can't really speak to like the true feeling or the true uh you know, like, we, we we can't really say what is and isn't offensive about it, but I think it is important to acknowledge at, right off the top, it shouldn't have been Gary Oldman in this role.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, th- I think that is 100% facts. Um, and like you said, I mean, we are not the people to criticize this film, but it's just very easy to criticize it, I think, in a sense. Um, and, and like you said, I think it does try and have, like, good overall themes of, like, acceptance and more understanding, um, you know, of what, the, like the little people go through even from a medical standpoint like I, I like a lot of that stuff but just like the way they go about it a lot of times is really bad even like kate beckinsale's character at the beginning is kind of just like this ignorant person and i like her arc of like you know learning a lot more about these uh, his family and you know how she can fit in with his family and then like you said i mean the tonal shifts an hour into the movie they get married and after that, it's just like a completely different movie, I feel like. Like her arc from the beginning to the hour mark, I like. but then past I don't that-
0: specifically know, but if I were to guess, it feels like the largest parts cut from this movie are in that last like 30 minutes. Like that last 30 minutes is so condensed. They jump around, like flash forward in time multiple times. Everything is just so strange. And it feels like we're just missing a lot of character depth and character moments
1: it doesn't make any sense for Gary Oldman to be kind of this lead character when you have, I and I would argue this to T when you have a better actor and and Peter Dinklage um, right next to him, who has nothing at all to do in this film. And he would have been perfect for, for at least that role in a sense, I think uh, instead of going the Gary Oldman way. So that I don't understand at all. Like Peter Dinklage, he's awesome. I love him obviously. And I've, I've said that a ton before, but in this movie, he's just like this weird French guy who like gets down with Patricia Arquette, which is fine. But I don't understand when you have like an al- a character when you have an actor that caliber and you need a character to play a little person, why not just take the one right in front of you instead of making Gary Oldman do something very problematic and and very likely offensive to a ton of people? So I don't understand that decision at all.
0: I can't, I guess, like, explain it. It was Gary Oldman he wanted to be in this movie like the, the reason that Gary Oldman yeah, is the star true. of this movie is because so I guess we can do a little back so Matthew Bright the director of this movie wrote it when he was like 18 so like in the 70s originally hmm. he was roommates with a, uh, a man that you might be familiar with for his roles in James Bond Hervé Velez He was known, he was in the TV show Fantasy Island. Uh, He was also in The Man in the Golden Gun. He played Knick-Knack in the 1974 James Bond. He's just one of the like probably earlier famous little people actors that kind of really made a name for themselves. And Matthew Bright from the ages of like 18 to 25 kind of intermittently lived with this guy. He was like a roommate with him. And the Peter Dinklage character is really based upon Hervé and what he knew of him as a real person and really just his interest in kind of the world of little people and just kind of like them as as real human beings and having like real romantic relationships all of that and that interest spans from him having Hervé as a roommate and kind of becoming good friends with him Um, and that's where this whole idea came from this idea to write a comedy about a man you know who's twin brothers with a little person and kind of doesn't really fit in with his family then he like went on to do some music stuff and did some other movie stuff he made some other movies and they're like freeway and this movie just kind of got sold and optioned off to like various studios over the next like three four decades to where it's kind of just getting passed around from people to people and at one point he got a call and they're like oh my gosh Gary Oldman read your script he loves it he wants to be in it he wants to make it happen and he was like, "Oh, what? Which movie? Like, what? What is it?" And they go, "Tiptoes." And he was like, <laughs> "Tiptoes." That, it's like I haven't even thought about that movie in literally like a decade. So weird that Gary Oldman wants to be in it. But if he wants to be the lead or he wants to play this role, I, and it's going to get made, like I guess that that's what we're going to do. And and that's kind of you know how it came to be. Uh, I know Jeff Bridges was like attached at one point. I don't know if it was necessarily for that role or for the Pagano role. Like before Oldman was even attached. So it went through a lot of different hands, but it ended up Oldman just loved the script so much. He wanted to be in an it and he wanted to help produce it and make it happen.
1: Yeah, that is actually a pretty cool story, too. And um, <laughs> it's kind of weird to me that like the majority of these stars were drawn to this movie. Um, and maybe that is testaments like the original scripts. Uh, you know, give me a bright cut, uh, hashtag bright cut. I mean, you got five, you got five decently, you know, known actors and actresses in this movie so and it, it was direct to freaking dvd so i don't know man i don't know how kind of oldman got attached to this originally i'm sure there's tons of backstory with that too but that is cool I, I wish that maybe this bright guy like you know got the passion project of exactly what he wanted to release just so we could see that i don't know if it'd be any different also you mentioned off the top stop that um this is a comedy I, I didn't i didn't realize that if i'm being completely honest um I guess I said dramedy off the bat too but there's I feel like there's not a ton of comedy other than maybe like Dinklage's character and Patricia Arquette is is supposed to be fairly comedic but if Dinklage is supposedly playing like his former roommate which that's kind of a cool um anecdote as well I guess that gives him a reason to be in this movie and this is kind of skipping ahead my bad I guess a little bit but I don't understand why Dinklage's character is in this film He, he doesn't do anything um so, I, I don't even understand his inclusion in, in, as a whole, kind of in the film, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was just like, it was kind of a direct homage to this person. Now, he never told Peter Dinklage this. And I think, funny enough, like Peter Dinklage went on to play Hervé, like in real life, like in another movie, like about that guy's life. So, it's kind of funny <laughs> that he's kind of played the role almost twice without even maybe realizing it. But this guy was kind of violent and he was a french communist and he was kind of funny and all over the place and he would literally like dinklage's character does in this movie kind of just like pick fights with people randomly and that wasn't necessarily the public persona he had that he he had out there so i think bright was just really interested in who this guy really was as a person like in real life and he wanted to to bring this person that he found kind of funny and unique and interesting in his real life into the movie world and kind of just you know add that depth of character as a fun supporting character that can provide some comedy. He, he talks about that. He never, like, even when he went to Sundance, he like didn't actually watch the final cut of the movie. He saw different scenes and he like, after the fact, he saw parts of it, but he's never seen the full thing. So he (laughs) says that, like, even, he doesn't know what was cut exactly, but he imagines some of that comedy of the Maurice character and the reasons he was there was really cut out as well.
1: Gotcha that's funny too he probably never made it like all the way through just because he was so angry like at the beginning <laughs> he's like they cut this they cut that he kept probably just like walking in and out of the theater uh just storming
0: around so well we funny. can talk we can talk imdb known for now do i know you where do i know you from and get into it we'll start with the uh, writer director matthew bright now even just interestingly enough i don't know if you paid attention on the like the credits of this movie he's credited as a director but the Writer is actually credited under the name Bill Weimer, but that is just Matthew Bright. And the whole reason was he literally hated the final product of this movie so much. He requested that his name was removed from the screenplay. They did. He requested his name was taken off from directing it, but they wouldn't purely because he wasn't a DGA member. So he was a WGA member, which gave him basically union rights to remove his name as the screenwriter. But since he wasn't a member of the Director's Guild, he had no right to remove his name as the director. So it still sticks on there, Matthew Bright, director of Tiptoes.
1: <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> um, but other than Tiptoes, I don't think I know him from anything else. Obviously he's known for, is kind of all over the place, but do you know any other Matthew
0: Bright projects really here? I personally am not really familiar with them at all. The four that are listed here, Freeway, Ted Bundy, Forbidden Zone, and Tiptoes. I think Freeway is another like kind of comedy movie that some people kind of enjoy. Uh, it's got Reese Witherspoon and Keith Sutherland in it. You know, oh, I don't yeah. know. I, he literally, there's another movie on here, which is Tomb of Terror, which I don't even, it's 2004, it's video. He's listed as one of the writers. But besides that, Tiptoes is his last film credit.
1: That is wild too. And it's funny too. Like you said, I mean, his writer credit is under Bill Wiener. Uh, so I feel like that's poetic as well. as like his last, one of his last credits ever is, is Bill Wiener. Um, but yeah, interesting IMDb. I, I don't think I have ever been down the uh, Matthew Bright rabbit hole. Um, so fun, funny enough. Also his picture
0: is really great too. Yeah. I mean, it's an old one. He Like I said, he hasn't worked in the industry for the past 20 years. When I was listening to this interview, he's basically kind of just been doing his own thing, playing music. Like he lived in a bunch of different places. He's moved to like Myanmar and Brazil. And he's, been, he's I don't know, he's an interesting guy. Um, he seemed to have been doing okay for himself after the fact. He talked about both because of the experiences on this film and the way he approach things at Sundance are kind of the re- it's it's twofold it's one I mean, yeah. he hated the industry so much in the way that he was treated and the way things went on this movie he didn't want to make movies in the more anymore and then also he did something that was pretty you know out there and, and basically trashing his own film that would cause him to probably not get another job for a while following yeah. the
1: movie I mean I would assume that's you know fairly frowned upon in the industry and and studios would look like look at that with You know, a big kind of red flag, I would think. So I think you're right. It's definitely a combination of both. He probably wasn't interested in doing too much after this. But at the same time, there was probably like a a big X on his
0: back after that happened as well, I I would think. All right, moving on to, we'll start, we'll do this in billing order, which I think is interesting. So first lead build Gary Oldman, his four that he is known for, The Dark Knight, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Darkest Hour, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Obviously, Darkest Hour, he wins uh, an Oscar for. It's got to be on there. Shoulder, Taylor Shoulder Spy, another Oscar-winning film at the very least. And then, of course, The Dark Knight. I think Bram Stoker's Dracula is the one that maybe surprises the, the, me the most coming in at number four.
1: I agree. Obviously, uh, I'm not not the biggest horror guy, but I think it's a fair good list.
0: Um, that I is mean, a Francis Ford Coppola movie, right?
1: I believe so, know. yeah. yeah. Um, which I haven't seen, but shout out! I that is uh maybe one to put on the list because I obviously Coppola's Brigade, um yeah Dark Knight. I mean, he's not really the lead in it. I feel yeah. like in a sense. So the big two I think for me are are Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy and Darkest Hour. I actually do like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy a good amount. Um, I feel like probably out of those two performances, I would say that's that's the one I would lean to as my favorite of his. But he, he's been in so much too. I mean. His IMDB, I feel like, is is insane just because the amount of credits. Um, is there anything
0: that like stands out to you as as something that should be on here? The big thing to me that I feel like just especially like our generation and then the one right above us that would really know Gary Oldman is Harry Potter. And while he's a not a big role whatsoever and he's only in four, three, four movies, to me, that is like. Serious Black is such an iconic role for him. I would put it in as the fourth one.
1: For me, and I mean, this is just my brain. I go to like Air Force One where he plays a really funny like Russian villain or like the fifth element where he plays like this crazy guy too. So I always think of him like as just an absolute chameleon. Like you can literally give him any sort of role and he'll probably be pretty decent in it. Um, but he's been acting forever, obviously. And probably everybody has a little bit different, uh, you know, stuff of what they know of Gary Oldman. Hopefully nobody has anything you know tiptoes related, but like look, looking at his IMDb, this credit it does make a lot of sense. Kind of looking at his overall, because I feel like he'll pretty much he do likes
0: any. to make movies. Yeah, that's the thing. He's yeah. he's been in a lot of bad stuff. Uh, this might be the lowest rated one, but. I'm seeing another one two years later that's got a 4.5. So it's like, <laughs> he, he's all over the place with some bad movies. So so I completely get it. Yeah. I feel like he plays a lot of uh, real life people. He's done that quite a few times. So the the histo- He's a guy that makes sense at an age before the cell phone existed. He really just, you know, fits well into to period pieces.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, um, another weird one. Shout out um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as well. Uh, where he's like the human leader Uh, I think he's really good in that love that movie but yeah like you said I mean he's a big biopic guy too Uh, JFK I think he's pretty good as well anything I think Oliver Stone related he's probably attached somewhere in it but yeah well I I do really like
0: me some Gary Oldman I wish he wasn't so problematic in in this film all right let's move on to the next build person which is Kate Beckinsale I mean her four here are Underworld Evolution, Underworld, Van Helsing, and Vacancy. Where do you know Kate Beckinsale from? Anywhere? <laughs> <Are> you <thinking> a <laughs> Beckinsale head at all? I I
1: don't really think so. I knew she was like the star of the Underworld franchise, so that would be I think my thing of, of where I would place her at. Is she? In Have you any- seen any of those Underworld? I've not, but I've seen like the trailers and stuff. Okay, and she's in like the rebooted Total Recall. I didn't seen that. I, de- I generally... Oh, The Aviator. Okay. She's in that. So I've seen one of her films, I believe. That may be the only movie I've ever seen that she's in. I think she's actually not a terrible actress. um I guess spoiler alert for, for my good a little bit, but I don't know. This top four definitely makes sense, other than Van Helsing, I guess. I, I don't know who remembers that film either, but yeah.
0: Well, I think she's a person that a little... Maybe even it's because of the... I guess it's probably because of the first Underworld movie, and then she does Van Helsing the year after. I feel like that really got her trapped into a world i mean she's made like how many underworld movies one two three four five underworld movies (laughs) over the last 20 years you know she's kind of been typecast into that world then you also get your the elder scrolls online where she's like those type (laughs) of things or it's like real genre pieces um and then when she tries to do like a rom-com it's this fucking movie which is just (laughs) I don't know what she's doing in this movie, uh, but we'll talk about that further. So um, she's an interesting one to me. I definitely know her from Underworld. My mom is a big Underworld fan uh, hmm. existing in the, you know, the vampire world uh, craze of the early 2000s. They're okay. They're fine movies. I have no idea what they're even about. If I'm, but, uh... She is a vampire and it's like a war between vampires and robots.
1: <laughs> Sick. But um... It's kind of like
0: she's got like guns and she's like, shoot. Like, it's kind of like a i don't even know what I, I don't know what the way to describe it like maybe like even a, like kind of like in the comic booky craze of like the vampires it's like really violent and hyper stylized like dread and yeah uh, like in that world I would say for sure like
1: the matrix kind of with with vampire yeah, and
0: le- like a less fun blade <laughs> like
1: i was thinking sure. blade too yeah just like the the poster reminds me of blade i feel like but also too i'm surprised that she is um build second here what what
0: uh what year was the movie released i don't even know well that is the interesting thing because she is second build however patricia arquette who is third she gets a with credit so it's gary oldman kate beckinsale with patricia arquette who is our third person patricia arquette her four that she's known for true romance boyhood medium and stigmata Boyhood, obviously, she wins the Oscar for it in 2014. I feel like Medium, I, I never really watched it, but I've seen some episodes uh, when it was on from 2005 to 2011. Uh, that's at least where I most recognized her from.
1: Really? I figured you'd recognize her from something else. Well, uh...
0: I, yeah, I didn't want to jump it. Obviously, Holes as well. <laughs> Couldn't stop thinking about kissing Kate Barlow throughout the <laughs> entire movie. But...
1: <laughs> and... Uh i did just double check because i know those were pretty close release yeah tiptoes was in 02 holes was her next project in 03 so shout out patricia arquette that's a rebound if i've ever seen one because i think she actually is good in holes and and she has nothing to do in this film but yeah i i do think um probably out of everyone we've talked about other than well i don't know i i'd just say she's definitely a better actress than kate beckinsale but I like Patricia Arquette a lot. I think she is a really good actress. Um, that performance in Boyhood, obviously an Oscar winner. Um, and I think for
0: good reason. They kind of just said you spent the last, you know, 20 years of your life doing this. I guess we'll give you an Oscar. But <laughs> yeah, you know, they weren't going to give one to Ethan Hawke. So they had to give one to somebody. Yeah, but... she <laughs> I... was. Think about that. She was filming Boyhood whilst yeah. tiptoes happened. You know, Tiptoes for happened now. in the middle
1: of Boyhood. <laughs> That is gross to think about, but uh, yeah, I don't know anything about medium. If I'm being honest, either. I guess she's a medium and she's solving crimes. So that would be my guess. Haven't seen True Romance either, um, but it's pretty highly rated, so might have checked that out. But I think uh, get Patricia more roles these days. I would say um, she's been working for forever, obviously, so she she probably doesn't want to tackle too much. But I really like the like
0: super dramatic stuff from her. So Oscar bait, give me more Oscar bait. I think for for Miss Arcat. Yeah, I know she's been recent, most recently in Severance, the uh, Apple TV oh, little, okay. uh, show. So I still haven't uh, checked that she's out. all the episodes of that. So you know, nice. she's working, yeah. hanging out. Moving on to Matthew McConaughey, who gets the and credit. So we get with Patricia Arquette and Matthew McConaughey. I didn't even notice fourth that. Fourth <laughs> build here. His four he's known for. Interstellar, Dallas Buyers Club, Mud, Magic Mike, obviously wins the Oscar for the Dallas Buyers Club. Um, all of these movies are from 2012 to 2014, which I think most people, you know, deem the Renaissance. I mean, do you think it's kind of unfair that we're only looking at this, like, two-year span of his known for? I feel like Makata has done way more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he has done a ton more. Um, and personally, I would swap out at least
0: one of his older things, I think, onto this top four. I you think got to give me, him like a how to lose a guy in 10 days or a failure launch, or some, the wedding yeah. planner, something like that.
1: There's got to be one rom-com, I think.
0: Uh, um, But me personally, I, I'd throw in Contact as well. That's
1: a great film. Uh, I mean, you could go on and on and on, but he's been in so much. Like, We Are Marshall, I think,
0: deserves more credit. That's also fair. I mean, <sighs> for early stuff, yeah.
1: But regardless, I mean, Interstellar and uh, Dallas Buyers Club. I mean, those are his two best performances, I think. So I think those are kind of no-brainers. The other two, uh, mud. I haven't seen mud actually. Um, mud is weird share- to me on here. <laughs>
0: yeah, I Mudd's would almost switch that out with something. Maybe if you want to go something more modern, I get, the Gentle. I mean, even it's it sucks because it's also in that time span. But like to me, the Wolf of Wall Street is such a heat check performance and something that I feel like he's so known for. If you want to go two leads, Interstellar, Dallas Buyers Club, and then two supporting. Magic Mike, Wolf of Wall Street, makes a lot of sense. I'd also, I mean, how is True Detective not in here?
1: If we're including TV, like I would replace that with Magic Mike in an instant. So that confuses me as well. But like you said, I feel like you should throw in at least one rom-com in here just to you know, give the overall presence of who who McConaughey is in Hollywood. But I think they got it
0: mostly right, which is more than a lot of other pages. So shout out to them. The Magic Mike role is small in the impact it has in the actual plot of the film, but it is incredibly memorable <laughs> in the scope of the entire film and, you know, what McConaughey does, especially in that time when it's, like, that movie really, I think, set off everything, you know, the net. Okay, then you get Wolf of Wall Street the next year and Dallas Buyers Club and Interstellar the year. Like, this is really the start of it of, like, oh, shit, Matthew McConaughey is hot shit, right?
1: Also, what about Dazed and Confused, dude? That may be his... Like most iconic performance, honestly, that's probably the one people remember most these days. I would say so. You know, all right, all right, all right. Uh, you know, they keep I keep getting older, but they yeah, keep... maybe
0: that's just because the girls staying the same age. That's why I uh, can't be on the top
1: folder. Same thing with like Wolf of Wall Street, though. Like I feel like that's performance that people really remember from just because it's like quotable and, and iconic in a sense. So I feel like IMDb should you know take that into account a little bit more. Yeah, so I don't know who, who quotes you know
0: magic mike these days i don't, I don't know anybody they but. quote it with their bodies cody i'll tell you that. <laughs> fair <laughs> so, enough do you just want to say three of the four people we just talked about oscar winners which is crazy yeah. uh, in the scope of this film uh and then you throw peter dinklage in there as well he's an emmy winner so
1: love me some Dink. shout out game of thrones baby also uh, days of future past x-men hell of a film the good the bad and the ugly
0: We're starting with the good. We won't spend much time there, but Cody, take it away. What do you think, man?
1: And honestly, most of my good has already been touched on. Uh, It's a decent cast, like we said. I mean, three out of four of the main build are are Oscar winners. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Uh, Shout out to the casting director. Seems like pretty much the only person behind the scenes that was doing their job. So I'm proud of them. Like I said before, too, I mean, the overall themes of acceptance I think is good. Um, I think the ideology is there just kind of um, the kind of actions of the film. I don't like it all. Um, and then lastly, I already mentioned too, Peter Dinklage is the man. I don't love his French accent, but I think he's really good. He's really good in everything and he deserves a lot more than than this role in tiptoes. So he's definitely my good.
0: That's pretty much everything on my list, to be honest. So I'll definitely throw it over to you. Dinklage was definitely my main thing. And I think especially like with that context of him playing like, the hair guy and, and kind of just like wishing to see his role expanded i know he's a big proponent of the original cut of the movie versus the what the cut that was released and i i think he is definitely a bright spot in this movie uh that has not many um and then just beyond that like you said the family stuff the convention like the the little peoples of america stuff like I think that's really interesting. It's like a world that I wasn't even really fully aware of and definitely a world that had never been, you know, approached in film in the same way prior to this. And, you know, like I said, all the ideas of like, hey, you know, there are some real health concerns that go into like having dwarfism as a condition. And like, here are the pains that these people have to live with. And, you know, kind of just like the struggles of everyday life that do not necessarily hinder them from still being, you know, functioning, happy, productive members of society, like they say. Um, I think all of his family and like McConaughey's interactions with them in person are really sweet. And like the ways that they all kind of fit together and just like all that stuff is great. Now when you get into like the way McConaughey moves on beyond that, it's really obviously ugly and bad, but that's less about the movie and about his character itself. Um, But in general, I think the family dynamic is really cool. And if that was like the focus of this movie, I think it becomes a much more interesting and better movie and you don't do all the weird love triangle strange tonal sex stuff that is just really strange on top of that Matthew McConaughey it's probably one of the hottest I think he's ever looked on film so we <laughs> got to give him a shout out there uh, just Fair an enough. incredible just an incredible bod from McConaughey in this movie uh, he so happens, it's crazy it, it, and I will say that it is literally the only reason that we are supposed to like like his character. They give they give us nothing. There is no character moment. There's no save the cat moment to be like, we should root for this guy, other than he's attractive. So that's bad, but at least he is attractive. So they're
1: successful. Hey, <laughs> that should be enough, man. What else do you need? Yeah.
0: True. So that's all we need. Just a hot guy. He uh, he's innocent. He's hot and innocent um moving over to the bad though i'm sure we have a lot to talk about here i think editing as a whole is probably a good place to start um the music is really strange at different points i just think like the vibe is so off um there's a phone call that really is off-putting between beckinsale and mcconaughey oh yeah it's shot like super close on her face and her lips and it's like super sexual and weird and then he's just in a field like it's the middle of the night and he's just like out in a field talking on the phone it's the strangest like back and forth cutting um and then at the end of the conversation he like hangs up and tosses his phone into the to the ether so like that scene is really strange when he shows up to the party the vibe is just so off and weird because he's like acting like he's mad at her and he invites these girls to the party and then she shows up and it's just Oh, hey, we're having fun. It's a party. So just like moments like that throughout the movie just keep popping up where it's like, this should be a serious scenario or this should be like an emotional moment. And it's like, we played just super weird because it was clearly cut up to pieces. Funny enough,
1: that specific phone call scene was with the top of my list of (laughs) what is going on in this scene. Like you said, I mean, it's an extreme zoom on her face and she's doing like this weird, like ASMR voice like on a phone call with Matthew McConaughey, be like, Oh, you want to go to the party? What's going on? And then, like you said, he chucks his phone after the conversation and then like two girls just walk out of the woods and he's like, Hey, you want to go to a party?
0: The whole thing is that he's a firefighter or whatever, but it's supposed to be that he's like away. Like, isn't worth, what, what's it she like? Well, he's away for a week at this like fire boot camp," but then he's going to show up to this party. It It's all over the place. It's strange.
1: Um, another weird, just like tone of moment. I want to talk about too. Was yeah, I talked about that hour mark where they get married. I think it's like 15 minutes later because so there's only a half hour left. So it's like the climax of like the third act in a sense, I guess. But it's like there's a massive dramatic moment where she just wants him to go see a shrink to oh, deal yeah, yeah. with his mental problems. And he like starts freaking out. He's like, I'm not going to do that. What are you talking about? And it's just like they make this like really melodramatic thing about like. Just go see a shrink because obviously you have problems about, you know, you won't even tell me your family's little people. Well, that's the
0: thing. This is the, the quote that she says to him. She goes, I really think you're ambivalent about your family being little people. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not ambivalent about that. And he like just loses the shit and he punches a hole in the wall. Yeah. Talk about men will literally do anything and they go to therapy. But come on, McConaughey.
1: Yeah. The uh, the wall punch, that might be my favorite scene in the movie, honestly. I should have brought that up and killed it, but it doesn't make any sense in the context of the film, uh, but Matthew McConaughey just gets to be a psycho for a second, so I think that's pretty cool. Past that, another weird moment. Like, the writing, I think, is just really off. In the editing, I think, 100%, and it's obviously chopped up a ton. But when the parents meet, which is kind of like an awkward, that's a little bit more comedy-based, I think, because there's, like, fun
0: hijinks of, like, you know, it's supposed to like feel like a stressful situation and then it's supposed to like resolve comedically however it's just played so strangely even the resolution doesn't work yeah so it's like really intense because kate Beckinsale thinks like
1: her mom's gonna be like oh we don't like little people or something but then it's just like it's building up tension probably for like five minutes straight like oh no she's gonna say something bad and then she's like oh do you guys have a problem with the jewish wedding and i was just like that's the punchline to this like ten minute buildup. Um so i I don't really like that scene either. Um, but, like we were saying, I mean, it's chopped up like crazy, and you know, the director, I don't know, you know, tonality thing was was different from what he expected there, but I, I don't really like that at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we can talk a little bit more about the editing. So essentially, specifically what happened was, the director had his cut of the movie he turned it into the studio particularly the producers of this film there's a man named john langley who is most notably known for his work on the tv show cops and he was the guy who along with like gary oldman's interest kind of was the main lead producer that made this movie happen he was the guy who took it to sundance in his private jet and was like ready to sell it to people um and then was obviously disappointed when bright showed up and trashed it but when they turned it over to him, they hated it. they were like, oh, this isn't what we were expecting. He passed it over to his wife to like basically re-edit it. And that's where like, it turns into the kind of like this weird sentimental seeming movie at different points. Hmm. And you get the really strange uh, tonality and vibes coming from that.
1: Yeah. That's pretty interesting as well, but yeah, really weird kind of just adventure this,
0: this edit has gone along, it seems like. So that's that's cool. This What the director says leads to a lot of the original contempt between himself and John Langley that kind of like screwed up their working relationship early on in production and then what's kind of just throughout all the way to post it was ruined was Kate Beckinsale in this movie wears a hat, as you can see. And it is fucking stupid, right? It, it kind of looks ridiculous, right? The reason she wears this hat in the movie is because when they're trying to get different people to be in the movie, Matthew Bright's talking to Kate Beckinsale, and he's like, Hey, we really want you to be in the movie, but like everyone has to take a SAG minimum. There's no budget. Like you're just going to be paid minimum wage. It's like SAG minimum isn't minimum wage, but it's, you know, you're going to be paid the minimum amount we can pay you, right? And she said, I will do the movie for minimum if I get to wear my lucky hat. And he said, 100% I don't care like you're Kate Beckinsale like you're gonna be in my movie that you know like I'm not a huge guy like sure we'll get Kate Beckinsale we'll do it for the minimum she shows up on set she's wearing this hat in the first scene that she's shooting John Langley and his wife go what the fuck is that hat take that off, offer that cannot be in this movie we will not pay for this movie if she's wearing that hat and he's like no like like she agreed to be in this movie if she could just like wear this hat and they're like no you need to tell her to take it off He's like, she literally will not be in the movie if you like if she takes it off. He's like, I'm the director of this movie, like it's my decision, right? And they're like, yeah, but she needs to take the hat off. And he's like, well, I'm gonna make the decision. She's gonna keep the hat because that's what'll keep her in the movie. And like that, there was like the initial rift in their relationship that just caused problems throughout the entire production of this film. Obviously, it is a stupid hat, but I think it's just kind of funny. The lucky hat had to make it. Um, I think Kate Beckinsale. I mean, you look at the hat she's wearing in your background right now and her outfits throughout this entire movie are so strange um, and really out there. Obviously, she's trying to play an artist. So like there's kind of like a funky, like weird artsy vibe to her. But man, she's got some weird fits, some, some bad early 2000s outfits.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think it is definitely having to do with the time period. I don't know what they were wearing in the early 2000s, would being honest, but the lucky hat, I respect it. Um, I probably wouldn't wear it, if I'm being completely honest. And I think it only appears in that obviously the scene where she goes and confronts him at Matthew Connie's work, but does it appear any other time? I don't think it does. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Fair well, shout out to Kate Beckinsale. You got to do what you got to do to, to get on tiptoes. Oh, and on the, the uh, topic of Kate Beckinsale too, I wanted to bring up one thing that really stood out about her performance. It's uh, her ability to fake cry about as bad as I've ever seen anybody um she just like puts her hands on her face (laughs) she doesn't even make any noises (laughs) she just puts her hands there and then somebody goes oh it's okay and then she
0: goes no it's not
1: (laughs) like there's no fake tears I guess that wasn't in the budget either but like come on you got to do a little better than that I think
0: yeah not not the best fake crying ever um I want to address obviously we've already said it's problematic but the Gary Oldman like little person nature of it all just like being bad filmmaking like it doesn't look good he's walking around on his knees he's when he sits on the couch they've got like fake legs sticking out and he's like built into the couch and like there's some interesting technical things they did to make it happen but overall i just think it looks bad throughout the use of the movie and it's like if you're gonna do this at least like try a little bit harder than just like having him walk around on his knees i don't know they did some like creative stuff
1: but it's just not executed well at all, I don't think. And it, it does look pretty bad overall. Um, and I guess kind of on that topic too. It just takes you out of the movie, I think. A hundred percent, every time. Every time, and they sh- they do it so often of like him like walking around. Like, well,
0: and even I like mean, it's that- stupid, like in the movie, like he's driving that dumb three wheel bicycle because like it yeah. allows them to like it's easier edit to it. That way. Yeah,
1: hundred yeah. percent. And I don't know how <laughs> we've gone this far and not talked about, uh, Gary Oldman and um, Kate Beckinsale's relationship. But I'm at a loss, Corbin. I have no idea. There were kind of a little bit of sparks in the beginning, but I also think it's like, it just it doesn't make sense because it's just like crazy unethical of like, you know, obviously it's, it's brothers, you know, that's kind of weird. And then it's like a quick turnaround from the relationship. And like, even on her wedding day, she like goes and like kisses Gary Oldman before he's going to leave. I don't know. I I don't really
0: understand any of it. Yeah. So, like, I don't think they do a good job of like building any sort of like flirtatious relationship between them throughout. Like, they attempt to. It really just seems like Gary Oldman is just like smitten with her the entire time. And like, he calls her beautiful and like says stuff like that. But she doesn't really seem to show like a romantic interest in him until the very end, which is really strange. I think the ending as a whole is just absolutely abhorrent. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you've got the strange editing where it's like they get married, then she has the baby, then they jump forward 10 months forward to that. The baby's 10 months old. McConaughey just is like, That's it, I'm done being a dad. So Hello. then she runs off to the woods to be with Gary Oldman. And even then, it's not necessarily that it's like a romantic relationship, it's more of just like, Hey, like, I need help taking care of this kid, you're his uncle. Will you yeah. like give me a place to stay? And then it jumps forward like a couple more times through their like them spending time there. I'm not really sure how long it's been. McConaughey shows up at the house and then he's basically just like, ah, fuck it, whatever. You guys are happy. And he like looks at Gary Oldman and he's like, love my son. And then he leaves. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then, of course, the movie ends with Beckinsale and Oldman leaning in for a kiss. Um, just absolutely, absolutely all over the place.
1: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, from where we started to where we ended, it's it's just completely flipping like who is the love interest in a sense, which if you're going to do that, I think you need a lot more build up to that than just like the last 15 or, or five well, and, Like
0: minutes. Gary Oldman's got his girlfriend or whatever. He's like interested yeah. for the whole like first hour and, of the movie until we never wedding. see her again. Like, yeah, yeah, until the wedding. And they're like, oh, yeah, she's gone. <laughs> Yeah, strange character development and a very strange relationship, I think, to end it off that well. Let's head over to the ugly. (laughs) I've got some ugly as well. Um, First one, I'll say Kate Beckinsale is a mom. She's not great as a mother, mainly because you really shouldn't drink alcohol and breastfeed. (laughs) Um, They literally make a comment about it where they're like, hey, does your baby get drunk when you drink and then breastfeed? And she's like, oh, of course not. But like scientifically I you really you really shouldn't be doing that Kate so uh that wasn't great and then this wasn't so much her but just kind of like another thing that goes with like the suspension of disbelief beyond like Oldman not being a real little person when mm-hmm. she's like pregnant she like runs through a parking lot at full speed oh, yeah. with flip-flops on and it's just like what the fuck is, in a wedding dress mind you so it's like there's three things going on here that just do not make any sense clearly you're not pregnant right now
1: yeah i think that's uh very impressive that she's able to do that shout out miss beckinsale um yeah to piggyback a little bit too i mean gary Oldman, practical makeup i had it in this category just complete shite like you said i think most of the effects and, <laughs> and the thing is too like you wouldn't expect a movie like this to to need a lot of you know practical effects um but it does and they're all very bad so i think that's obviously very ugly And then my other two pretty much just stem around uh, Mr. McConaughey. I mentioned this a little bit, but why doesn't he just tell her that his family is little people? Like, I don't understand. This guy's got some serious mental issues that haven't been touched for 30 years, I guess, until this very moment. But I would think that this guy's had girlfriends before and like, you know, they've gone to the stages where like they're meeting each other's parents. I feel like that's not that crazy. So I don't know. I, I don't know how this has never happened before with like you said like one of the most attractive people uh probably on the planet so i i don't understand that and then uh just uh to double down on my kind of hay as well what's up with this dancing in this movie dude i, think- <laughs> <laughs> I
0: wanted to at the convention he breaks out, out some there moves that are there insane
1: sisters, but all he's doing is just like Shaking his ass around, and I don't really understand it. That be the clip of the week on that uh, on YouTube, but yeah, it's bad. It's no bueno. So I had to shout out that uh, in ugly as well.
0: I didn't know where to bring it up, but I knew it had to get mentioned. I appreciate you shouting it out. Just the weirdest moves I've ever seen. Um, it's it's if this movie wasn't like so underseen, I feel like that clip of McConaughey would become like. Yeah. You know, like when you like, you know, before Purdue games, when they show like everybody dancing in movies and you get like the the obviously everyone knows the Leo and the Wolf of Wall Street. But I feel like the McConaughey dancing in the scene, like that should get used in, in compilations right over. Like, why why are we not seeing more of McConaughey dancing? That Tip should Toes? be an
1: iconic clip, but uh, maybe we'll have to bring it back. Hey,
0: uh, go we'll spreading it.
1: And uh, you might see some McConaughey dancing clips.
0: You know? McConaughey edits of uh, from Tiptoes. I also want to say along with, I mean, the McGonaghy thing clearly is a man who needs therapy, but it's like oh, really yeah. like deep seated issues where it's like on the surface, he seems fine. He's communicative. He's happy with his family. He's able to hang out with them. But then like he just has this intense shame that obviously prevents him from sharing with the woman who he's literally marrying in a couple months uh, that his family is uh, all little people. I think he's got some deep seated issues like he's,
1: <laughs> and, uh,
0: I mean, he went to the therapist
1: Did not seem to help out too much. So uh, probably a lot of wasted money there, but yeah, he's got some, some big time issues, I think.
0: Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to say for, for ugly stuff is the character of Adrisi, which I think is really strange and kind of like a weird, just like inclusion of this character moment. So Oldman shows up to his ex-girlfriend's house, Kitty, and she's like there and she's got this boyfriend who she says is a, like, a refugee from the Gaza Strip, and then he just shows up and beats the shit out of Gary Oldman, and to me, it's, like, really strange, because it's, like, this is 2002, it's, like, a really weird time for Islamophobia, and, like, it's just, like, a, it doesn't need to be in there, where it's, like, you're gonna have this Muslim character who just, like, shows up and beats the shit out of both Oldman and the girl, and then, like, is, is literally only there for that one scene to just, like, be an asshole. It's like, it, it doesn't really need to be in there for me.
1: Honestly, I forgot that even happened in the movie. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think that definitely deserves to be in this category for a couple of years. Like you said, I mean, just topical uh, for the times. Not the best. And then he literally, he I think he um, shoves Gary Oldman down and then jumps on top of him. And then his girl tries to come out.
0: And he just starts swinging yeah. at her, too.
1: Brutal, brutal stuff on. And
0: the, then like, Oldman's like, I'm leaving. Like, just the, the way that whole scene is played is so strange because he's like, I'm leaving. You can talk to the cops. Like, I, I, it's weird. That's early
1: on in the film. I feel like that is probably the most forgettable scene, honestly. Like, if if that was never mentioned again,
0: I would have completely forgot that was in the film. Well, and then, like, he's back with that girl, but then she's having sex with Jerry Robin Jr., which they just make yeah. as, like, a one-off comment. It, it, it's all over the place. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. At this point in the pod, I'd just like to say if you're uh, enjoying the episode, give us a follow at Cat Podcast. Go uh, rate us on Spotify. Like us on uh, YouTube. Subscribe. Just everything. Give, give us some love, guys. We uh, we had to sit through this movie and we'd appreciate some uh, love on the socials.
1: Likes and comments everywhere. Um, go comment on the rough cut retrospective as well. Tell them this movie sucks. But yeah, I gotta show some love for, for going all out here.
0: Invite, fight, knight. Totally invite your personal friend Spider-Man. I want to fight you. Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. Let's start with invite. I kind of just mentioned him. I want to get the Jerry Robin Jr., the character. Clearly, I, I don't know what he is or who he is, but apparently he's like a famous guy that also goes to these little people conventions for some reason. Um I'm just really I want to know what he's famous for. I want to he seems like maybe he's a musician, maybe he's like a biz I don't know. Let's get him on the pod and uh get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I like
1: that. Underrated pick there. I th- he just gives off like musician vibes I think a little bit. So, I like that a lot. Uh my pick it could only be one man. It's the Digman. Sure we can bring on his French character, I guess. I don't really care. But Peter Dinklage needs to come on the pod. Um I think it's the obvious choice and uh yeah, I mean, we can have Patricia Arcade, I guess, as well on. I do like their bickering at the end, too. I think it, it brings a different flavor of their relationship. But he also might just be, like, screaming in pain the entire time because it seems like he does have some pretty bad medical issues that he doesn't want any help for. So I think just from an audio standpoint, that kind of be interesting, too. If, like, every 10 minutes, this guy is just, like, turning the other way from his mic and, and like, screaming in pain. Um, so character-wise, I think it'd be fun. And and how can you go wrong with the dang man?
0: I like that a lot. I did have one other pick for um, an invite and it was Uncle Bobby He's played by Ed Gale. We could either get Ed Gale or the character of Uncle Uncle Bobby on either, honestly, either of them. Um, Uncle Bobby, within the context of the film, he's like the the head of this convention. And uh, I think there's a lot of insights and things we could talk to him about. We could get his opinions on this movie being made and whether Terry Oldman should have or should not have uh, walked around on his knees. And then on top of that, <clears throat> If you want to go for the actor, Ed Gale, I mean, this dude has been in so many movies. I know Spaceballs is a huge one for you. He played Dink. Oh, yeah. He played Howard the Duck in the original Howard the Duck movie. He was in Oh Brother, We're Out Thou. He's in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I mean, he's a, he's been all over the place. He's, he's appeared in so many different work. He's worked with a ton of different people. Um, so I'm sure we could uh, have a lot of, he's in Chucky, he played Chucky, I'm pretty sure. So we could uh, we could get a lot of uh, insights from Ed Gale. Yeah, he's been in a lot too. That's awesome. Uh, I back that too. Another good pick. All right, moving over to fight. I got to fight Maurice, the guy who wants. He's he's always, always asking for it. So Peter Dinklage is is coming at me. I'll, I'll give him a little one one four. Well, hand to hand combat. I don't think you could take the Dink man. Um, I wouldn't fight Dinklage. I would fight Maurice. Just what is Maurice? Why you want to fight him? He's trying to fight everybody. That's kind of a shtick I think he wants to.
1: <laughs> He's got it coming. All right. You can me. For me, I mean, there's so many options in this film. I don't think there is a wrong answer in a sense. I, I'm going to pick out a few people here. But first off, I'm going after McConaughey. I mean, he literally abandoned his newborn child in his life just because, uh, you know, they have like a medical condition, basically. Pretty messed up and brutal. So he did. I don't know how he didn't get punched in this movie, honestly. I, I thought at the end, Gary Oldman was going to give him one. But it, it never came. Um, and then, uh, you know, talking about them, too. I want Gary Oldman and Beckinsale both to get decked in the face. This weird relationship I'm not a big fan of. And it's it's kind of going behind uh, McConaughey's back at the same time, even though he probably deserves it. But I think they deserve a, a stick in the face. I mean, Gary Oldman as well, just just for the brutality of you know everything he did in this movie and, and all the offensive stuff. So kind of double down on him maybe as well.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I think they're all deserving of a little, <laughs> maybe just line them up. Bam, bam. bam you can't argue, you can't <laughs> uh, it's just like, everybody's deserving. Uh, I also wanted to shout out to Dressie. I already mentioned him, but the guy yeah. does just come in and <laughs> shout out of Oldman and, and his girlfriend, Kitty. So uh, he, he can take a punch as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. I back that as well.
0: <laughs> Moving over to Knight. This is, uh, Maybe a a little bit of a surprise one. You might even forget this character. It is uh, Chuck. Do you remember Chuck from early in the film, Cody? He plays a big role. Chuck from early.
1: <laughs> You're gonna have to enlighten me. I do not so
0: Chuck is the guy that Matthew McConaughey is absolutely laying into at the firefighter training oh, program.
1: Great pick. Wow.
0: McConaughey. He finds out Beckinsale's pregnant the night before, so that just like sends him on an absolute tirade. I've got a couple quotes for you. Uh, He goes, come on, fat boy. Didn't I tell you to lose some of that blubber months ago? And then he goes, your execution is piss poor. Not only are you slow, you suck at it. And then like the, I don't know, one of his curlers walks up to him and is like, dude, why are you being such an asshole? And he's like, take five, Chuck. So I just wanted to knight Chuck. He really just gets uh, a lot of hate from McConaughey for for no reason. That's a great pick. I think
1: um, that's a very deserved knight. I completely forgot about Chuck as well, but he went through the ringer, man. McConaughey was brutal as a uh, sort of fire instructor in a sense, Uh, but he did get called an asshole. That scene's actually not terrible either, Uh, but yeah, Chuck, I think we need more screen time. He should have gotten at least a line or two, I think, uh, coming back at McConaughey. McConaughey
0: McConaughey providing bad firefighter representation. I hate to see it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just another bad look for this movie. Um, But cool, and Honestly, dude, like, I had a tough time coming up with a night here. um, Because like I said, I mean, I pretty much wanted to punch everybody, and when I was going through that list, when I got to night, I was like, wow, I, I don't really have too many names left. So I ended up going with Patricia Arquette's character um, and just her in general, I guess, too, for just doing this movie. I think, um, I don't know, out of, like, all the roles, hers was definitely the worst for kind of how big of a name I think she is in general. So I guess shout out to her. But other than, like, you know, making out with Dinkman. She doesn't have too much to do in the film. And uh, I respect that. So I'm, I'm going to nightmare Trisha I Yeah.
0: Her character. She, I mean, I guess like her role is probably the most fun. Like she just gets to kind of like show yeah. up and be a hippie and kind of like do whatever. And like, doesn't really have any make plot comments her, about crazy truck drivers that are having sex with transsexual prostitutes and, getting called an alien walk-in which also what, what does that mean she says that she goes my ex-boyfriend called me an alien walk-in she says walk in is she, was she saying like aliens fuck her or like she's an alien that's walking like, i don't understand what, like can you yeah. i tried to look it up i have un, no under, understanding really? whatsoever <laughs> what an alien walk-in
1: is. nothing on urban dictionary i'm surprised um i would assume just from the context that it is like she's easy basically and- and her boyfriend was just calling her like a oh, hoe basically before. I don't know. I uh, might have to go directly to the writer room on that. Mr. Weiner shout out. But um, yeah, she also does just beat the crap out of um, the hotel attendee at the beginning of the film too. Just because, you know, he was kind of being an asshole. So I think a is is deserved for that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was just trying to get that extra pay for that day at the, the he's trying to he run out of the they
1: definitely stayed way over with their
0: you know dinklage was gonna shoot him so it could have been worse i guess <laughs> better she fights she prevented murder at least i guess so yeah let's go over to the recast bond james bond my name bond james bond the name's bond james bond the name's bond James Bond you mentioned it like in the first five minutes minutes of this episode Cody but it's pretty obvious they should have just had Peter Dinklage playing Gary Oldman's role mainly just for the fact that him and fucking Matthew McConaughey are like actually the same age they're only five months apart in age they they seem similar Gary Oldman is like 12 years older than him doesn't even make sense to be playing his twin they're supposed to be twins too I forgot about that (laughs) they do not look like twins I'm going to be from- honest. I thought Oldman was his dad in like the yeah. first 15 minutes of the movie. And then I realized, wait, they're brothers. And then it's like, wait, they're twins. What? Doesn't make any sense. Um, but I agree that honestly
1: was the first thing on my list as well. It pretty much just like solve it. It solves a lot of the just kind of uh, kind of societal issues the movie deals with. I think a lot too. Um, just eliminating Gold- Oldman from that role um, is the smart move from an acting perspective. And just from like um an ethics perspective so i think that's an easy recast um past that i'll jump into my i have a couple picks for replacing mcconaughey and i want to hear your thoughts on them but i don't i don't think mcconaughey is very good in this movie at all if i'm being honest and my picks they kind of go different directions with the film because kind of that tonality thing like you're saying i think if you want to keep it like intense uh, sort of similar to that phone call scene I guess if we want to keep that in what if we went like Christian Bale like Willem Dafoe sort of that side of things or if we went more like comedy based because this is supposed to be a comedy evidently a little like Will Ferrell action I think would almost be perfect in this cast but I guess which one would you like prefer would you prefer like a comedy side or, or more of like a darker side
0: I think I mean <laughs> that's a problem because it's like I don't really know if this movie should be a straight comedy either because i don't necessarily know if that makes it better right like it I, definitely doesn't will ferrell i think this is probably a worse movie like i don't think it's a better movie <laughs> no, but no I don't sure know. it's the worst movie because then it's like i almost because i don't want it to be like you go too far into comedy and it's like you start to make fun of the people that are in the movie like right like it's right. it's a fine line of like you're not laughing at the little people so like i, I worry about it going too far in that direction that's fair in my i
1: will say envisionment for the film it's more like making fun of will ferrell just because like matthew McConaughey's character is such an asshole and a prick like you can make will ferrell the same way like he's bigoted or whatever or or he just you know has his mental issue with it but then like everyone can kind of make fun of him i think that would be better than than what we got at least
0: yeah i mean i will say will ferrell he already kind of did this in elf where he was like the one big guy in the group of, right, of yes. little people um <laughs> honestly that movie probably handles it a lot better so maybe i'm wrong maybe hey put will ferrell in this one
1: <laughs> that's a great comparison actually uh, you got any other recasts? though i'll throw it back to you
0: um i did have one other i was gonna recast patricia arquette to me okay. i think she just kind of stands out as like the weirdest person in this movie I wanted to go a little trashier with her characters, just someone that seemed a little bit more trashy, no offense, uh, to Jamie Presley. But that's kind of what she's made her name playing through the years, whether it be not another teen movie or Joe Dirt. Um, And then, of course, most iconically, My Name is Earl. This fits right in between that Joe Dirt. Mine is an Earl start period where uh, I think she could play the weird, like, hitchhiking hitchhiking hippie woman really well, uh, better than Patricia Arquette. And I don't want, like... This movie doesn't need, like, big names to sell it. It should just be, like, people that can act and play the roles well um, yeah. to make it slightly better.
1: It's a good point in her, in her career, too. So I think that's uh, a really good pick, yeah. Maybe she uh, read some lines for this, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised. The
0: rating, Cody. Do you like me? I was 69. Uh, what do good. you want to rate this movie? Oh, man, this is a tough one. Yeah. Um
1: i mean this this is the worst of the worst here i think that we've gone through on on cap i i believe my lowest rating ever is a 10 for chicken little (laughs) i think i think this movie's worse than chicken little in my notes originally i had it at an 11 but after talking about it for a little bit i think i'm gonna drop it down to a nine so we'll go nine out of 69 i think that's even even a nine i think is is pretty nice of me to give it that high of a score yeah just a really bad film and i probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody but i'll give a few points here and there because the cast is okay and and dinklage definitely dinklage himself probably gives like five points alone to the film so yeah i'll go with a
0: nine so my rated lowest rated movie is the wrong missy at a nine and this is <laughs> to me significantly worse than the wrong missy That's fair. um i was actually looking in the rankings of like all of my movies that i've seen right Or the ones that i've done on letterbox this movie does make it into the bottom five of the 750 oh. some to me this is like a half star movie Oh, um the thing is like it's weird you know we've sat here and talked about it and like how it is really bad but the thing is like it's also like not that bad like it's just kind of just so black it's like uninteresting it's not, like it's just There are worse movies, is the thing. Like, there are movies that are genuinely worse written, that have a less interesting premise, have less heart, have worse... Like, that's the thing. There are so many movies that are worse, but you throw in, like, the offensiveness of this movie obviously gets knocked down quite a few pegs. So it's, like, it's a weird thing where it's kind of hard to rate. But I'm going to give it a four, I guess. I don't know. Subject to change. I'm going to stick it at a four just to... To put it there at the half star you know give room for some worse movies the wrong missy at nine honestly is probably too low for that movie maybe it should be jumped up a little bit more Uh, because i think that's like a one-star film for me so interesting and i'm just curious too uh was this movie above or below um
1: he's all that because i know that's in the bottom five too i believe well cody let's move
0: on to you might also like (laughs) who knows you might like it a killer rush where we can kind of discuss that a little bit because this is an interesting case of if you like this movie we now have to recommend to the people something else that they may enjoy um first of all if you like this movie that's kind of already a little bit of a red flag um but i figured i'm just going to go ahead and recommend some other movies that are fucking awful and and maybe you'll like those too down here at the bottom he's all that is actually higher ranked than this movie so I wouldn't even say check that one out because you don't <laughs> even. Uh, the movie that I think I find most similar to this one is Just Friends, the Ryan Reynolds, um, <clears throat> Anna, Anna Ferris that picture that I really hate. And it's kind of a similar thing because it's like, it's not as offensive because I I know this is like apples to oranges and really not even something we need to like compare of like what's more offensive. But like Ryan Reynolds as a fat person is not the same as Gary Oldman as a little person. Yeah. However, it is a case of like, Ryan Reynolds, like dressing up in a fat suit and like making fun of kind of like people who are different from him. So I think it exists at least in a common world. And then on top of that, it's just like an absolutely shitty rom-com. So I would recommend Just Friends uh, to the people. And then if you want to go for like the bad McGonaghy rom-com world, I'll shout out The Failures to Launch, The How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Fool's Gold, those type of things uh, that you might enjoy as well. Those are all better movies than this one.
1: And uh, my thought process is, is, pretty similar to what you're saying there. I think if you like this movie, you must just like McConaughey. Um, I, I really don't know why else you would like this movie, if I'm being completely honest. So my Rex, and if you genuinely like this movie, I would say check out Ghosts of Girlfriend's uh, Past with Jennifer Garner. It's actually not terrible. It's definitely not one of his best rom-coms. But if you like this movie, you generally probably like that one a lot. And my second rec, which I do actually recommend a lot to anybody, is uh, the film *Contact*. <laughs> um, and I, I think I've talked about this before in the podcast, obviously, but I think this is a severely underrated sci-fi flick. Obviously, stars McConaughey and Jodie Foster, and it is still like a rom-com, like the romantic element is the main, you know, element of the story. But there's like some cool and like some darker sci-fi stuff as you move along through the film uh it's something i'm nostalgic for a movie my mom liked a lot and i watched it a few times growing up but there's some weird cgi stuff at the end too which uh i've seen online that people don't really like robert but, zemeckis weird cgi i don't i don't think that's ever
0: happened that doesn't uh, sound right.
1: any disney remakes no he'd never do that um but um, yeah so if you don't like this movie go watch contact and if you do like this movie Go Watch Ghost of Girlfriend fast, I would say.
0: Yeah, okay, that's fair. I like it. <laughs> Moving on to the final question. All right, listen, <laughs> I got one last question for you, Cody. You want to take it away? What's your final question about tiptoes? Yeah,
1: I think I have an interesting one for you this week, and I, I still debated in my head. I, I don't really know. I think you can go either way. I'm gonna ask you, who is the better actor, mm. Gary Oldman or Matthew McConaughey, both Whoa. Oscar winners? in the past, you know, millennia.
0: So I think it's a tough one. I have seen way more Matthew McConaughey performances just in general because of the movies that I watch typically. So I'll say that right off the bat. But I think in a traditional acting sense, Gary Oldman is probably the the better actor from like a, you know, like a trained theatrical stage, you know, Oscar winner perspective. I think it's Oldman, especially when it comes to like period pieces or playing people. Whether it's uh, playing Truman and Oppenheimer, playing Churchill in the Darkest Hour, like that sort of lane, or playing Herman Mankiewicz in Mank, like that sort of lane is where Gary Oldman uh, can really fly really well, and he's amazing. However, to me, McConaughey, in terms of like total range and just like the abilities of like the different parts he can play, whether it's, you know, like the fun rom-com hot guy or even like the more serious, like you said, sci-fi stuff, Interstellar, the dramatic dad stuff, the, the out there country guy in, in Dallas Buyers Club, the rodeo clown, or, or even like the, you know, detective and true detective, like the range of roles, the, the crazy stuff in Wolf of Wall Street, the magic mic performance that's like country, but also hypersexualized. To me, there's just so much more to McConaughey that I would prefer to see him uh, in a new movie, at the very least. I like that a lot. And I think I would agree
1: with you, strangely enough. Like you're saying, I mean, you know, classically trained Gary Oldman. He's a hell of an actor. They're both kind of Swiss army knives in that sense, too. But it's like the charisma and just the un undeniable, like, star power, I
0: think, of McConaughey gives him a slight edge. Um, McConaughey is a movie star in a way that not many people are, and Gary Oldman definitely does not I think, like, Dallas
1: Buyers Club is, like you said, shows like the different ranges you can do as well, but that's a toss
0: up. But I think I do agree with you. And I don't think McConaughey's ever had like a, a hotter run of, of three, four years than, or like, or Oldman's never had a run as hot yeah. as those three, four years. And that's funny because that was the time like people realized like, holy
1: shit, like McConaughey's a great actor. And then he got thrown into all these great projects, I think. And and
0: obviously his career took off. So I think that's pretty telling as well. All right. My question for you here, Cody. Yeah. Of the two movies we've been given as Punishment mm-hmm. Stalker or Tiptoes? <laughs> if you had to watch them on loop for an entire day in a movie theater <laughs> from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., uh-huh. which would you choose? Stalker or Tiptoes?
1: I mean, this is a a pretty easy answer for me. It's got to be Stalker. Really? Uh, wow. Okay. I don't even think it's a it's, it's close uh, specifically. Maybe I was a bit harsh on Stalker. Um, you know, in in hindsight, that movie is pretty.
0: It's pretty boring. If I'm being completely. Well, that's honest. the thing. It's so boring. If you got to watch it like multiple times, that's the thing. It's like this one's at least kind of like it's a little funny it, it yeah. would start over a lot quicker like it would run i don't know
1: yeah that would make it worse also yeah it's also shorter so i That's would. sure you will have to uh, watch it more also in stalker like i feel like i could fall asleep in, in several scenes of that movie pretty easily And oh, i like- forgot
0: to mention it's like clockwork orange style where they hold your eyes open and you have to you have to watch it you don't get to oh, sleep
1: big clockwork guy would be um, a, yeah i just watched it uh, so reference. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um.
1: Yeah, this doesn't change my answer. I don't think I think Stalker too. Like the rewatchability of it. Like maybe I didn't understand that scene the first time I saw
0: it. When There's I watched more it to game, one. I think you'll you could yeah. like really like, like oh, hone in that on
1: that sense more. Yeah, maybe I like the movie a lot more. So I think that'd be better for me as a person and uh, you know just my psyche overall. Yeah. Which one uh, would you
0: rather revisit for a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Stalker. We should do a Stalker repod, dude. That'd be fun. Restock. Uh, <laughs> could be coming in the future. Who knows? Uh, three movie mini draft. Well, it is draft day. So this week we went with movies that are rotten and have an Oscar winner in it. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to do our own research here. I'm, I have no idea what movies you've come up with. Who right. knows what movies I've come up with? Cody, I'll give you the first pick because I'm a nice oh, guy.
1: What a nice guy. All right. I don't know. And I happens. will be double
0: checking that all of these are less than 60%.
1: Yes, 100%. For myself, I think with the first pick, I have to make an unbelievably biased pick. Uh, There's no other way I think I could go. So I think I'm going to go with possibly the best film of all time, uh, National Treasure. Uh, (laughs) Nicolas Cage, of course, uh, is an Oscar winner. Leaving Las Vegas. 19... I I I don't
0: know.
1: (laughs) Free pre-before everybody, you know, figured out, you know, he's crazy. But, you know, for me, and I did have have to double-check that he won an Oscar because I was like, I feel like he's definitely been nominated a few times. I don't know if he ever won. Uh, And I've never seen leaving Las Vegas. um, So shout out to him. But, uh, I mean, this is an obvious pick, I think, especially for myself. Classic, classic film, like I'm saying here. And uh, go check out our pilot on it if you want to hear more. But, yeah, I'll take National Treasure at one.
0: That does uh, knock off what I was probably going to take off take with my first pick as well so nice. smart move by you obviously national treasure we did a whole episode on it so uh go listen to that too yeah so with my first pick i'm gonna take uh another 90s film to match you cody and i'm gonna go with the uh the robin williams classic jumanji uh of course he's an oscar winner you know for uh goodwill hunting and uh and we're uh, bringing kirsten dunce back on the pod for uh for another week jumanji the original
1: I like that pick a lot. Shout out to the, the hunter soldier guy gave me nightmares as a uh, as a kid. But yeah, also made me really like board games. So good flick. Good pick, I think. 52% on Ron Tomatoes. Yeah, that, that is wild, I think. Um Robin deserves better than that. Um and also the National Trickers are not a 90s movie, so I don't know what you're vamping about. Um but Leaving Las my, Vegas is that's why I said that. <laughs> my second pick here. Hmm, there's in from, from my very small research database on this, there's actually a lot of films that I like um, in these categories. So I'm sure there's tons more that we're missing here. I think I'm going to go with my second pick, another film that I've watched recently and I've talked about recently. I'm going to go with Spaceballs. Uh, you brought it up this episode, actually. Uh, Mel Brooks, I believe, is an Oscar winner um, in that movie. I think it was at like 58 or 59%. So it was close on the score, So I need to double check that. But I love this movie. Classic spoof film. Uh, We really don't get spoof films as good as this anymore these days, or really just made like this at all these days. And uh, Mel Brooks is awesome. Um, You know, combining with sci-fi and Rick Moranis, I feel like it's hard to make a bad film. So if you haven't seen Spaceballs, I'd
0: I'd highly recommend that out. But I'll take that at number two. I was going to say, did did Rick Moranis win an Oscar for uh, playing the demon dog or whatever in Ghostbusters? (laughs) He should have. Also in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think he's, he won for that, too, didn't he? I don't know. No? He shrunk his kids, so, I mean, that takes commitment. <laughs> um, there, it's interesting. You say there's a lot of movies you like. There's a lot of movies I think are, like, decent <laughs> that are options here. No. Um, with Jumanji as my first pick, <laughs> uh, I feel like the world is kind of open. I'm going to go for a movie that is bad, but is one that I personally really like. Um, and it's just exists in a, in a whole franchise of great films. And that's Mid and Black 2 uh the follow-up to the oh. original men in black franchise god film. that movie's terrible obviously not as good as the first one but it's men in black and uh will smith's an oscar winner so it fits
1: there's so many better i literally have will smith two picks lined up and you went with men in black too unbelievable i hate that movie well i'm um, sorry but... i didn't go for fucking shark tail i robot or focus cody but Nope, still didn't cut my list. Uh, <laughs> the two that I had down for were Bad, Bad Boys 2, which is criminally. Under- Bad Boys 2 is actually pretty good. Uh, and then I had Hancock as well because I like Jason Bateman. Um, but I'm not going to take either of those. My third pick, I'm going to go – I don't know. I, I went on the Sam Jackson uh, train basically because I believe uh, he's won an Oscar. I don't remember what for, but I just looked it up and I said he did. So hopefully that's right. Um. I'm going to go with hmm, – I'm in between – I used to have a pick, but it doesn't really matter. I'm in between, like, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Does he not have an Oscar? He,
0: he got an honorary one. Oh, that's what it was. That counts. What do you mean? <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Sure. 2022 up, Academy, Academy Honorary Award. He I has, don't know about that.
1: He has an Academy Award. Um, can't deny that. So I think it counts. Um, and you guys can come at me in the comments. I don't care. I'm going to go – I want to pick Phantom Menace, but I can't. I'm going to take Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think it's another one of those where it's at like the 55 range, so it's fairly close to being not rotten. But I don't know. I don't know how this movie's rotten. Uh, I feel like the first Die Hard's got to be around like the 80 percentile. And uh, with a Vengeance is, I think, just as good. Um, Obviously, there was a sequel in between that was pretty bad. But the addition of Sam Jackson as Bruce uh, to this franchise, I think really invigorates it. It's got the whole Simon Says thing going on. That's fun. It's got um, Alan Rickman's brother, uh, you know, from the phone. So it's got some, like, cool callbacks and, and I think a pretty good action flick. So I'll take that at number three uh, with a little
0: asterisk next to it. Thanks to Sammy boy. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, we, we start going down this Academy honorary winners. So there's a lot of I people mean, on he this. Has awesome, so, sure, he has an sure, awesome He sure. has an option. Right, yeah. What's your third pick? going to um, focus? <laughs> no, I'm I'm going to stay away from Will Smith, but I, I do actually, I think Focus, not that bad of a movie. No. Uh, Will Smith and Mario Robbie having like insane sexual chemistry for two hours. I don't know. That's fine. Okay. Um, oh, since this is my last pick, I can kind of just throw out a couple and, hey, maybe you'll pick one up. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Of course, Laura Dern, Oscar winner, uh, appears in that movie. Uh, the live action Aladdin. That's another Will Smith film. You could break mm-hmm. out. Um, he has a ton. I mean, After Earth also fits in there. Um, And then if you want to go for a couple of Brendan Fraser joints, there's a few. Most notably, we just watched Blast from the Past. Hey, that fits. The Mummy, the original Mummy, I think just barely is over like a 60 or 61%, but The Mummy 2 and The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, both of those are rotten. Um, And then like Encino Man, a few other Brendan Fraser flicks. But the movie I'm going to take is A Knight's Tale, which of course has heath ledger it's also used uh as a soundbite in this very podcast i think it's just a really uh interesting take on like what i like a medieval movie is because it, it it utilizes uh modern classic rock music and it also takes like uh like poetry from shakespeare and it, it's just this weird bending of like genres and in time periods and uh it's it's a fun one and, and heath ledger's great and it's uh it's also got a vision in it what's that dude's name Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Yeah, yeah. Well, Good choice.
1: Knight's Tale. Can't go wrong with with a uh, a ledger flick. So I like that a lot. Um, I'll shout out one other honor mention I had too. I, m- I mentioned the Phantom Menace, obviously. Um,
0: what is the uh, Phantom Menace on Rotten Tomatoes? It's pretty. I think it's the worst Star
1: Wars uh, prequel by far. Past that, I was thinking as well, Tron Legacy. I think you like that movie a little bit, don't you, um, Jeff? Bridges, I've seen it.
0: Of course. <laughs> Same. that's, that's oh, all i can really say, say. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but jeff bridges obviously won academy board um and then we it's kind of just like okay like the soundtrack's good the visuals are pretty good but i mean other than young jeff bridges uh, cgi face that's god awful but uh, the story's pretty mid i think so that made my honorable mention dude.
0: let's move over to recommendations cody karen honey uh what are you watching uh, what have you been into it's been a minute since we recorded It has, and I wanted to mention a couple
1: uh, little things off the bat, but um, if my audio sounds a little bit different than previous podcasts, I am in a new location, so I moved to a new apartment, so that's pretty much what I've been up to a lot, honestly, and it's taken away a little bit of my uh, TV and movie watching, but it has been a while, so I do have a good amount of stuff. First off, um, well, first, actually, I, I finished Andor, finally. Finally watched the last couple episodes. I mean the, the the finale I thought was it was it was good. I mean it was whatever. I kind of got lost I think once they escaped the whole prison. I think it kind of just slowed down a lot and I was like, I kind of wish Andy Circus was here, but whatever. Um and Stellan Skarsgard. If you watched our underrated actors and actresses episodes, I talked very highly of him, but I didn't really love his character or his performance in this in this series. I would assume they're going to do a season two because they set one up pretty easily and he's going to be a main player. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, for Star Wars shows, I guess Andor is, is pretty good, but uh, I'm really not the biggest fan. Um, Past that, some movie watching I've done recently. Um, I checked out Manchester by the Sea. Oh, and I, I guess as well to, to preface, uh, we were on a rough cut retrospective episode together where we did a fun oscar drafts so go check that out and then i was just on one too that was a marvel draft so go check out both of those but that oscar draft kind of i i marked down a couple of the pictures in there being like i haven't seen these for a while i should check them out manchester by the Sea series one of them god that movie's sad um but it is really good performances um the scene between uh what's his face affleck and uh michelle williams where there's like see each other in the street crazy emotional but really good kind of just acting caliber stuff in there i don't even know if i would recommend that movie to most people i probably wouldn't so don't check that out uh some other things i did i watched a kingsman double feature the other night because so i hadn't seen the original kingsman for a while and that's one of my favorite just like stupid action movies i like it a lot
0: uh, uh what, a, what one, a way to
1: break in the new apartment
0: cody yeah, <laughs> little
1: I, Kingsman double feature i know and funny enough i'd never seen uh the golden circle um I, I saw like TikTok clips of um the whiskey ending. whiskey and yeah of course yes the ending. Yeah, I mean him him singing on the on the mine and everything, which is good, but I didn't really love it. I mean Channing Tatum is is pretty much completely wasted. And then Pedro Pascal is like this double agent for no reason. And and also Julian Moore is fucking terrible. Um so yeah, not great. I really wouldn't recommend that. I think that's pretty much everything. I'm missing anything. Um I think that's everything movie-wise. One little shout out. Probably nobody's listening at this point, but I'll give it anyways. Corbin, you will not believe who told me it was listening to our podcast. It is my grandpa has been on a Cap binge. Oh, uh, when he found out we had a podcast, I guess he didn't know. I don't, I don't really know how, but he was super surprised. He he called me a bunch of times and he listened to the Oppenheimer episode and had a ton of thoughts on that. He said he was going to go see Barbie after listening to our podcast because he thought it was really interesting. So pops. So question.
0: Here's the question. Yeah. When's he coming on?
1: <laughs> well, the thing
0: is, is he a Zoom user? Doesn't have a computer, <laughs> I don't think.
1: So maybe um, something special in time where maybe I go back home and we do, and I can just pass the mic to him and stuff. Obviously. Yeah. But shout out to pops, man. Another avid listener of Cap, and uh, yeah, deserves a shout
0: out. But that, that's pretty much my weekly watch there Hey. Thanks for listening. Glad to be Big glad here. Big <laughs> up pops. Share that, hey, share this pod with your grandparents if you're listening. That's that's, uh, grandparent approved. Um, A couple things that I wanted to talk about that I've seen. uh, First one, watch this on Hulu, is a movie called On the Count of Three. It released in 2021, I think straight to Hulu. So, kind of, you know, didn't really get seen by a lot of people. It stars Gerard Carmichael and Christopher Abbott. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is also there in a small role. But the idea of the movie is these two best friends. They basically agree their lives suck at the end of the day they're going to kill themselves they're going to kill each other together basically they're going to commit suicide um but they're going to spend one final day together so that's the conception of the movie it's a tough watch at a lot of different points from start to finish that deals with depression and mental health and you know friendship and love and loss and it, it is a tough movie to watch at different points um but i think it was a really Brilliant directorial debut from Drod Carmichael, who both stars and directs the movie. Um, it's got some great comedy in it. And uh, it's a short, emotional, beautiful watch that I really recommend people check out. Um, right. On top of that, I also sold The Nun 2, which I didn't love, uh, mm-hmm. the latest entry, entry into the Conjuring Cinematic Universe, empty theater for that one. And then uh, I also checked out this movie called Drinking Buddies. Which stars? Are you ready? Are you familiar with this movie, Cody?
1: Oh, that I saw your uh, letterbox. Yeah. Like, what is that stars movie? Stars:
0: Olivia Wilde, Jake Johnson, Anna Kendrick, <laughs> and Ron Livingston. Uh, directed by Joe Swanberg, and released in 2013. I think the movie is like 80 to 90 percent improvised in terms of the dialogue. Nice. Um, it's kind of on like the tail end of the mumblecore movement, which we talked about, I think, a little bit with Greta Gerwig uh, earlier in the podcast, and. I don't know, this is just a really weird, like early 2010s artifact, uh, but I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's very raw, it's very real. It's just kind of like what happens when people are in relationships that maybe aren't working out and you know, are flirting with people and it, it, just all the emotions and the human interactions uh, feel very authentic. I think the dialogue at points feels a little bit awkward and things are like, eh, this doesn't feel super cinematic, but I think that's because of the naturalistic, improvisational nature of the filming. Um, But it creates some really interesting uh, character moments as well. That is cool. And
1: uh, that cast is awesome. So I think that is uh, an addition to my list as well. One other thing I did want to shout out too, you guys have all been hyping up Theater Camp and that just came out to Hulu. So I believe I'll be checking that out instantaneously definitely so, go see that and to the listeners yeah, as well check they, that out on Hulu. for review on that but um yeah i mean that, dude i feel like that's such a cool cast for that time like olivia wilde anna kendrick in 2013 is just like so
0: random but so great at the same time yeah i'm gonna have to check that out pretty soon as well also weirdly enough i didn't even know this until like two days after i watched the movie the jason sudeikis appears but that's unrelated but the fourth build person in the movie is ty west who is the director of pearl and x and maxine oh, yeah. and, and like after the fact it was like wait uh, that guy who was in the movie is that guy it's, it's just like one of those yeah. weird connections that happens a genre flip evidently that is yeah. cool yeah i like that um that's pretty much all i got for the recommendations definitely go check out the uh rcr episodes that i've been in and the two that you've been in the past two weeks we've uh, we've been taken over there and they'll be uh coming on soon for us as well
1: yeah big uh, month for the compadres uh, if you haven't checked out RCR, obviously go give them a shout out on Spotify and all the, you know, availables out there. Also go vote for uh, me in the Marvel draft. I believe uh, we both lost the Oscar vote. Rigged. Which, uh, yeah, uh, you know, had some burners out there, evidently, uh, mine included. But uh, use all your burners and vote for me in the Marvel draft and, and get Cap'n win here.
0: All right. With that, we'll say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Stay Cap'n. Peace.